Time to barrel down as we uncork the Indiana beverage industry one bottle at a time. First, uh, Vino Mobile Bar, and quite funny that that is actually the title of your business. It is, it is, yeah. I actually started a mobile wine truck about six years ago, so we are in essence a Vino Mobile Bar. So how the heck did you come up with this? Because, I mean, the wedding craze is hot right now. Um, Outside events are hot, but I would not have thought of putting wine in a truck or wine in a trailer behind a truck and, and doing the dang thing. So, so where did this come up with? This is awesome. So it goes back to sitting, everything involves drinking, right? I mean, so <laughs> ideas involve drinking. I mean, usually it's a cocktail napkin at a bar, you know, you're, you're a couple of glasses in, but I was sitting on the back deck of a girlfriend's house and we were like a margarita truck. Well, state of Indiana is a little tougher with the blue laws with rolling around with a margarita truck. But I thought, what about a wine truck? And well, it had not been tried here. Um, so did my research and came up with, yeah, you can actually do a mobile wine truck in the state of Indiana. And so went over to Whitestown, which is this little town, and they've got these buses there. And um, not my fiance at the time, and now my husband, we got an old school bus and my dad and my husband and I, we totally demolished the inside of it, took it down to nothing and then built it back up again and cut a window just like a food truck. Um, and people literally walk up to it and order their drinks from it. I absolutely love it. So, um, the listeners know that I'm a pretty big traveler and I enjoy traveling. And so one of my favorite memories is when we were in Iceland, they had, um, mobile trucks, pretty similar to yours that people turned into a bathroom, a van, a sleeping quarter, a kitchenette all in one. And that's how they traveled around Iceland. So you kind of really flipped the table and you made it just a mobile wine bar. The inside joke was when we were doing, we're like, well, if this doesn't work, we'll make it into a home. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom says she's going to buy a tiny house and put it in our backyard. So I'll give her that idea. She can find exactly, a bus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's self-contained. It's a 30-foot um, school bus. It's Savannah GMC school bus, and it's functioning. It's got enough room for three people to be on there. We wanted to make it large enough so three adults can work in the area. We can haul up to three kegs in the back. Um, it's all stainless steel. We want. I wanted it shabby chic-ish. Um, and, yeah, so we just set up. We typically have four different types of wines at all times on it. During the summer, uh wine-based margaritas are huge. Uh, mm -hmm. So as you know, we're in March right now, so we're getting ready to roll into our summer months. And so those will be huge. Strawberry daiquiris are now wine-based. Didn't know if you knew that or not. Yes. And uh, so there's lots of other types of wine-based alcohol that we can do. So we make as many wine-based cocktails as possible too. So it doesn't matter what type of alcohol you want. We can pretty much do that. A lot of weddings will have celebratory type of drinks that we'll do for the weddings as well. Yeah. I was just getting ready to say ready to drink cocktails, or we call them RTD in the wine industry are super popular right now, uh, especially because it's all, it's just ready to go. And so I love that you're adding wine and making these ready to drink cocktails, wine based. That makes my wine lover heart very happy. And you touched on wedding. So if somebody is going to have a backyard birthday party, um, is that something that you are able to, um, attend 
too, or what other kind of events besides weddings? Um, yeah, absolutely. Build? Really any type of event. So <laughs> during the COVID times, um, which thankfully we're now moving out of that, we were big time with neighborhood parties. People wanted to get out of their houses. So we did HOA parties. We rolled into neighborhood parties. We partnered up with food trucks, which was great. Um, we do graduation parties. We're getting ready to embark upon that, both for high school, for the parents. <laughs> He's graduated. <laughs> and then also for the, you know, the actual graduation of, of college students too. Um, we do everything surrounding weddings. So just in case if you're actually having your wedding in a place that actually has the liquor, alcohol, we do, you know, bride, bridal parties, uh, wedding rehearsals, all of that fun stuff. Um, uh, uh, anniversary parties. Those are huge 50th, 40th anniversary parties to birthday parties. You can have a tent in your backyard, any place where there's not already alcohol there. So if it's already an establishment that serves the alcohol, that's someplace we can't go. But if someplace that they don't, that's when you give us a call, you hire us. We offer several different types of packages, um, anything from a cash bar, all cash bar, all the way up to all inclusive and open bar for your guests. I'm thinking backyard booze and barbecue sounds like the perfect mid-May Saturday afternoon. Hire a little bit of a band. You've got it going on. Absolutely. I mean, I have this big obnoxious bump box. So, you know, somebody drinks a couple glasses of wine, then there's our entertainment. And my neighborhood is set for a Saturday in May. This sounds like so much fun. Low key, keep it amongst friends. It's all perfect. So, I mean, this isn't, this is an original idea, but there's similar models, maybe not in wine, but throughout the United States. And so, um, I don't think this was probably your first career or your first vision. So what is your personal background and how did you come into the wine industry or, or find an infatuation with wine? So back way of background is I'm an entrepreneur by heart. I started my first company when I was seven. Um, and it was the gumball route. And that was my first major purchase. Uh, the wine truck is my 13th company of starting. So I like to get companies going, give them a little bit of legs or in this term, give them some wheels <laughs> and then sell them off and let them go to somebody else. Um, I do have a corporate mom and dad always said they're, they're small business owners to get an education. So I do have uh, quite a few degrees in education. So I did do that schooling thing to fall back on in case yep. this didn't work out. Uh, but for the most part, it's been entrepreneurial experience for me. I love dabbling. I love the fear factor. I love no day is going to be the same day. Um, that ups and down cycle of, of being my own business owner. Um, as far as why the wine? Well, I have a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> And I wanted to build something that I knew could build with time with this. And um, during the recession in 2008, I built the largest baby and toddler baby expo. Well, perfect timing. People are drinking wine and procreating during that time. Um, And also people then, I think through the time of endless of age, will always drink some form, some fashion. I don't think it's ever going to go out of style. And so it's a very sustainable business structure. And that's why I wanted to get the roots in it. And we're going on year six, this May will be year six for it. And it just keeps evolving and keep moving forward. We've gone from one wine truck, Vinny, and we added on a second wine truck two years ago, Vito. And then this year, the goal is to add on a third wine truck. That's so awesome. 
I, I love that you're an entrepreneur by heart. I work with several students at Purdue, um, you know, throughout different times of the year. And, you know, I think as a collegiate student, sometimes you're really lost what you want to do. And, you know, I think we're trained that we have to, you know, major in this and that's what we have to do for the rest of our lives. I mean, I was there, I switched my major three times during my undergrad. And, you know, I I think people often forget that entrepreneurs are just as important as trade school. And you, you know, you really don't have to have a formal education. I know, you know, there's several well, well well-known entrepreneurs that just had this light bulb idea and it just took off, but they, you know, they kind of put their head down and hustled and they made something really neat. Absolutely. And I think, you know, speaking of which we have a 16 and a half year old. I don't know what he wants to be when he grows up. He can follow in the footsteps of myself. My husband's been an entrepreneur business owner since the age of 18, you know, and as you just said there, trade schools, own your own business, become, you know, uh, you know, go be an apprentice. There are so many different things out there than following just the path of being straight four years of college. Girlfriend, my parents said to me, what are you going to be an underwater basket weaving major? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe. (laughs) Don't know. It's one of those things, but when you find it, you find it. And then you may change again too. You know, like I said, this is the 13th company. The businesses that I've created have found the seasons in my life. Yeah. So it was in my single days, I had a singles company. And then when I had Zane, it was with the baby expo. And now he's older. I drink a little bit more yeah. <laughs> business. And some people do the same thing. And some people stick with one business for 20, 30 years of their life to each their own. And I love that. I love that spirit of how they want to develop their own creativity and in, in living out their life of their dreams. Well, and sometimes we get burnt out on our careers, right? We, we have uh-huh. uh, really big speed bumps with colleagues or bosses or just personal conflicts too. And I think a lot of what we talk about on the podcast here is how, how do you get into wine? And there's so much more than wine than just, you know, your bottling and seller crew and your tasting room manager. I think you are a walking example that you are well-versed in the wine industry, but you're not the common, you know, winery, if you will mold. And I think this is just another very unique um, and creative career path for somebody to look at. And on that, I mean, you're the first independent wine truck, correct? In the United States. And so when you talk about finding that niche market, um, and, and building a business model that works, I mean, I think you've done a great job. Um, you know, your Facebook page is great. You're really easy to find. I think for others looking in, you know, you set a great example in Indiana to take elsewhere. Well, thank you. The, the premise of building the wine truck wasn't to be, you know, the, the high end $200 bottle of wine. We want the people to come up. They're going to have a glass of wine. I think their average price is around $6 that we have. You know, as you know, Katie, in the state of Indiana, our pellets are a little bit sweeter here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you, probably six, six out of 10 people do want that Moscato. But it's also for the people, we encourage them to come up and go, have you had a Chardonnay? Have you had a Pinot Noir? Have you had a Cap? Why not? What you want a sample? Try it. And they're expanding out of their box and for them to go, oh my gosh, I would have never tried that before. That's really what it's about. And to see their eyes go, you know what? Can I take a picture of this? And we go, you can, but our wines are a little bit different. You can't go to the grocery store and buy them. We go through a special distributor. That's why it's a little bit special, like that Tiffany box. When you walk into the yep. Tiffany store, we want it to be a unique experience. But at the same time, we want them to expand on not just sticking into their little box. So I only drink Moscato. I only drink Sweet Riesling. 
that's great. And you can do that all day long, but while you're here, just try something a little different. Well, and I think a lot of what you just said is I, you know, people are trained to think that they, they like something. So why break the mold? Right. Right. And I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge sweet wine drinker, but I really enjoy fruit wines. And so I think breaking that stigma and breaking the mold of, you know, Indiana makes some really great fruit wines in the Midwest really makes some really good, um, fruit wines made from local fruit. And so getting people out of that sweet mentality that yes, it's going to be sweet. It's blackberry or blueberry or cherry, but you know, that, that was maybe grown in Michigan or in Ohio or here in Indiana. And so you're, you're having a sample of the Midwest. I think that's pretty special getting outside of the California, you know, Chardonnay and, you know, cab kind of bubble, if you will, to just appreciate. And like you said, try some different wines and really experiment with them. Um, what's better than a mobile bar and saying, no, you know, I don't like that. And you're not out a whole bottle. Exactly. Absolutely. It's not going to harm you. If you don't like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. It's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it. And sometimes when you're at a, a tasting room and you buy a flight, right, you're, you're locked into those ounce and a half or two ounces, which is okay. But if it's a wine that you don't care for, maybe, you know, that's, that's hard to throw away great wine. I mean, I think we all kind of cringe a little bit, even those of us that work in the industry, because what doesn't fit our palate might be a great wine to somebody else, but that's okay. It's okay to dump and it's okay to try new things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. All right. So I'm going to spin this a little bit because we've talked about pairing wines. Um, it's okay to not like certain wines and, Uh, I mean, we just came out of the holidays. We're done with Valentine's day. We're kind of moving into St. Patrick's day, the festivities, and then summer, um, 500 is coming up. The vintage wine festival is coming up. So I feel like my inbox gets flooded with food and wine pairings, right? So I'm having a picnic. What wine should I have? Or, you know, I want to have a pizza party in my backyard. What do you suggest? My answer is always, you should drink what you want and eat what you want and have a great afternoon. But I mean, your Facebook page has always done a great job kind of along the same lines, but how do you feel those questions? I mean, I'm always curious because there's so many answers in the world. Who sticks to if it's a lighter vegetarian or hardly any meats in it, stick with the whites. If you're going to go for a heartier, go with the reds. If it's 110 degrees out, I'm probably going to stay away from the reds, to be honest, unless it's a lighter Pinot Noir. I truly try to stick with the traditional stuff like that. I'm not one to go a little bit crazy with that. Um, You know, Chardonnays are making their comeback again. They were, you know, 2017 was a really good year for Chardonnays. They're starting to come back again this year, 2022. Um, I'm not one to go totally too wild and crazy with different types of unique wines. I'm more of a traditionalist. Um, but right now, as we're going into St. Patrick's Day, I'm kind of playing around with the, the green wines out there. So there's some special, there's like three products of green wines out there. I'll be doing a segment coming up on um, the new indie style, indie lifestyle, or the new name they've got it. So yeah. I do my research on the green wines, but that's something I'm toying with. But really with, with anything, whatever your palate wants to do is great, but I'm more of a if it's winter, I'm doing my reds 
the falls, it's reds. And if it's the springs, I'm doing my um, Rieslings, I'm doing my Chardonnays that, and my, my Savoirs is what I'm doing. And I, I mean, that's such a staple rule. That's kind of the backbone of yeah. food and wine pairings. And if sometimes wine lists are intimidating at restaurants, right? You go in and you're yeah, like, maybe. okay, I have this three page menu and this seven page wine list. Um, you know, and then there's that 20 minute lull of, I don't know what to drink. Cause I don't know what to eat. And I don't know what to eat. Cause I don't know what to drink. So what a lot of people don't know is those, a lot of those bottles are open and you can ask for samples. And if it's not ask for something that's open, that's tell them what you want. That's why they're there. Say, you know, I'm thinking about doing a red. Um, I like a little bit of spicy, maybe a mall back. I'm going to go with this filet. What do you have that's comparative? And they can bring you little samples. That's the beauty of it. Um, maybe it's not the one that you want on that, but they can offer you something comparable. There they have wines for a reason there. Yeah. So and they want to sell the wines. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> is happy when that bottle of wine is gone. Exactly. <laughs> Don't be afraid to ask for samples of their wine. They're more than happy to do that. I'm loving this conversation. And along with that, there's a couple apps that are really good too, that are consumer based. Um, I'll put those in for our listeners. Um, when I announce the podcast with some links to them, I personally have a couple on my phone too. If it's a, a brand that I've never heard of or, um, an Appalachian that I've never heard of or somewhere that I've never heard of. And I just want to look it up really quick. Cause they're consumer based ratings. Now, you know, maybe me and that other consumer don't, you know, enjoy the same wines, but it, at least I kind of understand what that wine might taste like. And then I love that you said to ask, because I I feel like a lot of people forget that, or maybe just don't know that too. Yeah. Especially when you're going to be paying 12, 15, $20 for a glass of wine. And the last thing you're like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever (laughs) because I don't send wine back. I'm going to drink it as horrible as it may be, but at least I want to know what I'm getting myself into. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So one um, other question is we celebrated national drink wine day a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and you were on, yeah, the new indie style. I don't even remember. Lifestyle um, life. Lifestyle yes. life. Uh, and you've been doing segments on there. So how, how is that? And I, you're starting to get out more probably because the spring is coming, right? There's sunshine yeah. out today. Um, how do you celebrate national wine days with Vino Mobile Bar? Oh, goodness. So uh, we celebrated <laughs> drinking wine, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good segment. Amber and I were on there and just talking about, you know, wine's been around since 7,000 BC. I mean, it is obvious it's came a long time since then, but I like Italian wines. And Italian wines have come around, I think, 1783, 1763 is when they really started coming into town with Italian wines. Really enjoy Italian wines. Really good with pasta. I eat way too much pasta. I know my doctor's saying don't eat so much pasta, but I do. You got to love a good creamy pasta with a good Italian wine. I lived in Italy for six months. I'm right there. You're right there with me. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, national drink wine day was, and I love the fact that they've got all these days for everything. Why not have one for just reminding you to drink wine? And it was of course on a Friday too. So there you are, but no, it was just a fun day to go on there and talk about all the different ways. And um, we got talking about different types of glasses to drink wine in because that's a whole nother conversation with people. Some people just have their own type of regular glass, but a lot of people don't realize Katie, and I know you do because you're one kind of sewer, that the different mouth is of the glass, smaller for Chardonnay and Pinot Grigio, the larger the glass, the more air it gets for your reds, your Bordeaux, your Malbecs, because you got to aerate that out. 
So we had a decanter on there. We had some fun with that. But um, yeah, all in all, you know, I ended up having, I think it was a Pinot Grigio that night. So, okay. Oh, I love it. See that. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the podcast wine for normal people. Um, it's a great podcast, but it really brings wine industry knowledge uh, way down to a consumer kind of point of view. So they talk about glasses and I just listened to one a couple of weeks ago about sustainability and what does that even mean in terms of packaging and, and yeah. the carbon footprint that glass puts off versus this. It's very interesting, but they have a segment on glasses. Um, it might be a really cool segment for us to do here too, but I'm glad that you brought that up because that, I mean, I have what seems like 400 glasses at my house. Right. And some days I'm like, no, just give me the glass that has the K on it. Right. And then other days, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a nice Traminette. Give me the proper white wine glass in it. It does sometimes make a difference. I, I will agree with you some days. No. Some days, yes. <laughs> you're just, I mean, in some days, the crystal does taste different than the regular glass glass. I totally agree. It's like drinking wine by the fireplace and then drinking wine outside when there's 16 inches of snow. Like it just tastes different depending on where you are. So absolutely understand that. <laughs> so um, before I let you go, I just had a couple more things that I think our listeners should really know um, about you and about the business. So on um, your Facebook page, you do a lot of events too, events in the community. How do you get involved in those? Or what are a couple of events coming up that our listeners can maybe come meet you um, and, and sip and shop with you? Yeah, absolutely. So twice a year, we host a great segue. Katie, thank you for that. Hey. <laughs> we do a sip and shop. For the in a previous life before the actual wine truck, I hosted Sip and Shop. Sip and Shop is a premise of having local business owners come into an area, into an, an open space, and they bring their wares and goods and sell. It's a great night for women, for guests. It doesn't matter who's coming, um, and it is going to be on Cinco de Mayo, which is May fifth, from six to eight thirty. And it's located in Westfield. And it's actually going to be at the Round Trippers uh, Baseball Academy. It's huge, 8,000 huge square foot open space. Um, we have 85 local business owners that are going to yeah. be all different degrees and marketing stuff and just fun shopping stuff. Um, the wine truck will be there. It'll be inside and it'll have obviously margaritas because Cinco de Mayo, we're playing yes. off of that. Wine and beer and a few other things too. We have a food truck obviously doing Mexican themed stuff too. So that's, and it's complimentary. We never have a, a, a tech price tag for our guests to get into. We want you to spend the money with the, the vendors that are there. And then we'll do it again in the fall for our annual um, getting ready for the holiday shopping. So those are the two ways they can do that as well. Um, we love to give back to our community. So then we tie back 10% then we'll be given back to the Brown Trooper Foundation. Okay. I've never been, I'm putting this on my calendar. I'll go have a margarita with you. Go eat a taco. Yeah. Sip a little bit and yeah. then go eat more tacos. That's yeah, exactly. like the best night. We'll have about four to 500 women will go through. It's a great experience you're going to find. And the other thing, you're just supporting local business women. And I'm going to tell you what, Katie, there are so, there's about probably 40, 44 people that I've never met that are coming as business owners that started their businesses during COVID. They're super awesome. And I'm yeah. super excited to meet them. You know, I think COVID gets a bad rap for all the obvious reasons, but there is a lot. And I mean, a yes. lot of good that's come out of COVID. I yes. mean, personally, you know, I've learned to slow down and enjoy those moments at home. And I even find myself now saying, 
let's just stay home tonight and cook dinner at home, or let's entertain friends at home instead of going to a restaurant or going to a bar. And that is very uncharacteristic of me, but I mean, I think COVID for that. And there are so many business success stories that have come out of COVID is I think people were at home and they just sat there and said, you know, we're bored with this. Let's figure out how to do something more. And I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's going to be a really fun night. Um, so definitely if your audience is one, come one, come all it's Cinco de Mayo. It's also celebrating pre-kickoff for Mother's Day weekend. Cause that's the following Sunday. So buy local for mothers, aunts, uncle, or grandmothers, whoever that care person in your world is. Perfect. And I'll post a link to that too. Um, so our listeners can find more about you Fantastic. and, and on finding more about you. You have a great Facebook page, a great, um, Instagram, and you also have an email list that I think is really important. You send out, how many updates do you send out? So during the winter months, we try, just do one newsletter. You're like, Hey, we're still here. And then yeah. during the busier months, it's probably about two. We try not to inundate too much, but we let people know where we're going to be. We don't have like really a running calendar on our, um, our website. It's more of a pictures. Here's what we do so much, but our newsletters, we keep in touch with our people, what's going on and where we're going to be. And I enjoy those because I, they're just updates. I mean, like you said, hi, we're still here, but I, I have to bring up the elephant in the room because your, your last newsletter told me something that made me very excited, but very (laughs) sad. So, um, you have given over the keys, right? Yes. Miss Mel, can you kind of tell us about that transition and um, opportunities maybe for the future? It is. It is a great opportunity. So my husband and I, I came to my husband uh, last spring in 2021. I said, Hey, you know, it's been a great run with Vinny in the wine truck. We have a 16 year old. Uh, We only have two years left with him. Um, we are a huge baseball family and I spend the majority of my time on the baseball field. And we not only do high school baseball, but we do travel baseball. So it is a delicate balance. Not only that, but I have 11 amazing Vino servers that run the business for me. So I'm back here doing operational there. They are the face of it. I love those women. And I have one man and they are fantastic. Yeah. So I decided to go ahead and put the wine business up for sale. It was a hard, but easy decision. Mm-hmm. Um, spent many, many months interviewing, going through people. They were on the wine truck with me. Some of them were like, oh dear God, this is nothing I could possibly do. <laughs> you make this look so easy in your videos and your stuff that you do. And I was like, I know, but it's, it's from start to finish. And in the middle, it is a hard, you are on it. It's, hard, it's labor intensive. Yeah. Um, long story short, um, Mel, uh, it's chef Mel. She actually is in the industry and she has her own business too. She's, I trade an actual chef and pastry chef. And so she purchased it last October. We did a very slow uh, transition and we're still in the process of doing it right now. And we officially made the announcement last week. So she now has the actual keys and she's rolling with it and she's the official owner now. So, so exciting, right? To see your, your project blossom and obviously in great hands, um, bittersweet because, you know, you, you kind of started this movement and maybe a path for others to follow in the industry. So I'm super proud of you. And I'm glad our past yeah. crossed. Um, I'm going to say a year ago, maybe, maybe it was it about was. That Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, great connections in the wine industry. And I have no doubt that you'll create something neat and great and hopefully in the wine industry again, so I can have you back on the podcast with your newest invention. I absolutely love it. 
Um, so Jen, before we close out, what are you drinking right now? I like to close the podcast with your favorite sip. Doesn't have to be wine related. I am really Tattersall up in Michigan. They are do the, they're really known for their wine-based cocktails. And I am really experimenting with their wine-based bourbons. Mm. Stepping a little out of my comfort zone here. My husband is a big bourbon drinker and I'm mixing some drinks for him and seeing if he can taste it against his bourbon drinks. And so far he's kind of interested in trying them out. So that's what I'm doing right now. And then I'm also kind of more of a captain, a rum drinker. So I'm also then exploring that as well too, with the Tattersalls. They have a great app too. So, and you can actually buy their stuff in the liquor stores it's Tattersall and you can put in occasions, what you're wanting to drink, just like the apps that you were talking about. Yeah. And it tells all the different mixers. It's wine-based. You can add in other stuff if you wanted to, but I just stick straight with the wine-based stuff. So that's what I'm doing. Absolutely love it. Well, Jen, yeah. from my crazy life to your exciting and adventurous life, thanks so much for coming on the Pop Swirl with me today. It was so great talking to you. Katie, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.